face. Welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast, episode number six. six. I'm your host, Fatty, and I got my boy, Zaid, with me here. Zaid, how you doing, man? Good. How are you, bro? I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a bit of a reaction pod because we're doing this like three minutes after losing to Indiana on the back-to-back. Yeah. Um, I mean, we lose games, but this one was just really annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, we got a lot to talk about, but uh, what's your last week or so been saying, man? It's. I mean, up until today, the Raptors were, were having a really, really good week. So I was having a really, really good week. Um, had a lot of positives to say about them. Still have a lot of positives to say. We're still gonna. Yeah. We're still gonna point out a lot of the positives. Um, but outside of that, man, stay at home order. Yeah. What else can you do? Nothing. It's to awful. Do. It's awful. But uh, yeah. No, as a as a pod, I think we had a pretty big week. Um, hopefully, we got some big news coming soon. Yeah. Um, but we're pretty excited, man. We just uh, got to keep the hustle. Mm-hmm. And just keep uh, keep bringing content. So, mm-hmm. um, I want to I want to structure this episode a little bit differently because I want to talk about the Raptors' last six games. Yeah, separate from tonight's game because I think there's a lot of positives to shed light on from those last six games that we didn't really see a lot of tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to start. So, I mean, let's just start with I think it was a week ago they played Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. Yeah, um, and they had kept them under 100 points. So. Stanley Johnson, yeah, Stanimal, um, did did himself a job, and we'll give him some flowers tonight. But did himself a job on Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. took him out of the game pretty much, and I think they held Miami that that week as well to under a hundred points. So the defense is looking revived. I saw you make a comment on Twitter about this being the twenty nineteen defense all over again. So tell me what you saw. Tell me what you liked about the defense in the last six games. By the way, their record has been five and one over that stretch. Yeah. So they've been doing pretty well. So, I mean, they held the Mavs to 93 points. They held the Heat to 81 points. Uh, Sunday afternoon, they held the Pacers to 102 points. So, even if they did get above 100, it was very minimal. Uh, obviously, in the loss, uh, they gave up 111 against the Heat. But you just saw that 2019 team defense all over again, right? And especially against Indiana on Sunday, you know, they contained Sabonis similarly to how they contain Giannis and, and, and the way they, they built a wall in the paint. They they played team defense on Giannis just like they played team defense on, on Sabonis. And at any given moment, they would throw a double team to Sabonis to force him to get rid of the ball. And that's how you stop a guy like Sabonis who, when he gets the ball, that's when he's most effective, most dangerous, right? So taking the ball out of, out of Sabonis' hands and shutting down guys like Doncic. And, and, and you just saw them throw guys at, at those players, you know, you saw Nurse throw Stanley, OG, uh, Pascal when he was playing. Uh, Chris Boucher would even switch on to them when he needed to. Fred Van Vliet would try to play bigger than when he than he really is. So defensively, I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of great things. Um, the zone defense was working perfectly, and, and and Nick Nurse made a lot of good moves to switch from zone from man to zone when they needed it the most. And they saw effectively, they saw like work effectively. And as they held their opponents to you know sub 100 point games, and and that's been the driving factor of 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 that five six game stretch where they've been so successful. The biggest thing that remains um, the Raptors' weak point and in their losses is their biggest weak weak point is three point percentage and the three pointers that they allow in a game. Um, you know. The Raptors have had a history of letting three-pointers, especially corner three-pointers, go in all the time. Um, and that's been their Achilles heel. So when 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 they give teams those 
open threes, those you know poorly contested threes, and you you you've got Chris Boucher flying at defenders, and he'll never he'll never can he never he'll never you know run that guy off the three. He'll just fly past them and they'll sidestep, and then they'll go ahead and shoot. So when you have defensive breakdowns like that, that's what's going to make you lose games. That's what's going to happen. Um, you know when when you lose, you're just giving up easy easy shots. So. This week it was, I mean, you know, today a bit of an exception, but not really. They still, I, I still think they played decently defensively today. But during that six-game span last week and and a bit uh, the week before, I saw phenomenal defense and and phenomenal rim protection by Chris Boucher as well. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, man. Over the last six games, they were the number six ranked defense in the league. There it is for there a team that was yeah hovering around 13 to 16 to start the year. That's a huge jump, man, to be 16th. But like you said. Uh, they're allowing opponents to make 36% of their three-pointers, which is going to hurt a lot, mm. especially in today's league when everyone takes so many threes. Yeah. To give up 36% on probably 25 to 30 attempts can hurt your offense, can hurt mm. your defense, can hurt everything. So mm. um, it can it can really steal a game. So I think that that's a margin, uh, like an error for – or sorry, area for improvement mm. on the defense. Other than that, I mean, their team defense, their zone is looking great. Uh, I like a lot of their active defenders, like Stanley Johnson. Phenomenal job. The Raptors Stanley. took Stanley Johnson from being this former lottery pick mm-hmm. turned into like a huge bust, mm-hmm. into unplayable, into now very serviceable, competent defender. He's doing yeah. very great things on the court. Um, I think that offensively, he's he's making his threes uh, over the last six games. He's at sixty percent, but. He's not really shooting that much. Yeah. Um, but the thing with Stanley that I don't like on his offense is sometimes he just doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And he yeah. tries a bit too much yeah. and he gets excited. He'll make a stop. Yeah. And he'll come down and he'll really want to be engaged. And I like it. It's good attitude. But a lot of times he doesn't really know what he's doing. He loses the ball, dribble, dribble off his foot, uh, take a wild shot that'll go off the top of the backboard. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of areas for improvement for him as well. But man, like, what they've turned him into to start yeah. this year to be a really solid like and and I think you and I were talking about this off air but not not only does he look physically like OG yeah but he's sort of fitting into that pre OG pre this year OG's role right mm-hmm. before OG really developed developed like a consistent shot well I mean consistent for this year but yeah. uh, prior to him really being a spot up shooter at a high level. He was that guy chasing defenders and with a really like subpar offensive bag. Yeah. So he's kind of looking a lot like pre OG OG. The re- only issue is like ten years older. Yeah, <laughs> ten um, years older. <laughs> not actually, but you know, you know what it is. So, um, uh, their offense over the last six games. Let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. it's up and down sometimes, and and it's funny because Pascal missed two games, Larry missed two games, and they seem to play their best basketball mm-hmm. when those guys are on. We'll talk about that in a bit, but. Um, 49% of the offense is coming from three-pointers. Yeah. That means yeah. every other possession, they're more than likely shot. to take it. <laughs> or they are likely to take it three. And that's pretty wild to me, man, because there's a saying that a lot of basketball people use, and it goes, you live and die by the three. There it is. Yeah. You live and die. Right now we're living because they're making 46% over the last six games. Mm-hmm. That's good for second in the league. Mm-hmm. 44% on the season. That's also good for second in the league. But what happens if that drops to thirty eight percent, which is still above average and a high team average, but it's not forty four. And, and and that's the issue right there. I, I don't think the Raptors should be dependent on the three as much as they are right now. Um OG, which OG's been shooting the Lights ball out. exceptionally well. 
he's moved from a 40% three-point shooter from last year to a 55.6% three-point shooter this year. It's only been, what are, what's the what? 17 Fif- games? 15 to 17 games maybe. So I don't know if that's going to be a, a, a true average shooting at 55% for the whole season. I think he's going to you know, quiet down a bit. The last six games he's been shooting 60% from three, and that's why we've seen such a crazy offensive outburst from him. Um, over the last six games and why the Raptors have been so successful. So when I look at the Raptors roster, I don't really see guys who were consistent three-point shooters outside of Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. And Kyle Lowry has been struggling a little bit this year I was with, say. It, with his output. So now I'm looking at Lowry a little bit. Um, it's not that I'm not confident in him. I just want to see him back to his normal self. Freddie, we've known. Steady Freddie. He's consistent game in, game out. Will give you good shooting, give you good, good, good attacking on the offense. I know he can shoot. Matt Thomas is probably the only three-point specialist that the Raptors have on their team, and mm-hmm. he doesn't play much. So when I look at the team, Pascal, when I see him shoot a three, I'm not always happy when I see him shoot a three. Norman Powell, up and down. So when I look at a team that's constructed that is not really known to the, – the players aren't really known to be good shooters. Reliable shooters, It's hard yeah. for me to trust a team that's going to shoot 50% of their shots from three-point land, right? So – Right now, the Raptors are living. They are living large on the three-point shot. I'm just worried about come playoff time, come later in the season when things slow down, teams have more time to look at you and look at what you do and figure your, figure your, your system out. Yeah. How are you going to perform then? We haven't seen a team be successful shooting close to or half their shots from three other than Golden State. We've seen Houston do it, and the Raptors are looking a, a lot like the Houston Rockets in that, in that sense. Houston's was not successful with it. And they had way more star power too. Exactly. Than, so than and way Raptors. more shoot and, and, and a few more shooters than the Raptors did. So I'm a bit concerned from that standpoint. I do want to see the Raptors just attack the paint a bit more. Um I, I know we have a few guys that, that that do that. I know Norm does that consistently, but he doesn't finish well at the paint all in, 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 around the rim all the time. Pascal when he gets frustrated he settles for jump shots. I want to see him attack the paint. Um OG I'm 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 the one game, one part of his game that I want to flourish is him attacking the paint and making that look natural. Uh, Chris Boucher shoots a lot of threes as well, and he's been hitting them. But when he doesn't hit them anymore, what's going to happen? Yeah. So it's very hard for me to trust a team that's three point shooting. I want to see them attack the paint more. And if they can keep up this great three point shooting, by all means, please like keep doing it. But it's so tough to shoot at this high of a rate when you're shooting fifty percent of your shots from three. Yeah, and I, I honestly think a big part of this fifty percent is because. Our max guy is not really playing like a max guy. He's just playing like a guy who benefits off whatever pass comes to mm-hmm. him. He doesn't mm-hmm. really insert himself in the game. Mm-hmm. And this is Pascal Siakam I'm talking about. But he's settling a lot for jumpers, like yeah. you said. He's settling for threes. He's not really attacking the rim. I don't know what is going on. His confidence looks shot. I don't know. Maybe he's just lazy. He doesn't like the sport anymore. <laughs> Cashed out. I, I really don't understand what's going on by <laughs> He looks a little bit, like, bored of the game. Like, he looks bored. Like, he doesn't want to be here kind of yeah. thing. And some games he looks happy. Some games he looks upset. I don't really know what's going on, but we need him to attack the basket. And once yeah. he attacks the basket, it creates opportunities. It spreads the floor. You know, if you're just standing there in the corner or standing there at the three waiting for the ball, nothing's going to move. And you're just going to clog up the whole paint. And and I think um, one very important thing to take into consideration is he and Baines look like a terrible matchup, like yeah. a ma- combination, yeah. not matchup. They look like a terrible combination. Um, Pascal needs to move freely, and I think Baines is a little bit too, um, what's the word, like flat-footed? Immobile. 
immobile, maybe ish. He's yeah. not. I mean, he's no Gasol, but who's Gasol, <laughs> right? Like, um, that could be a part of it, the discomfort. But I mean, you're getting paid thirty mil. <laughs> it always comes out to money. Figure it always. out. Always. No, but like that's look. I'm not gonna give a guy thirty mil to be my max player. And then the first roadblock that comes up, we just can't we can't overcome it. Like, come on, man! Like, we we we've seen shades of him overcoming it. I, I think the biggest thing for Pascal is just four the, games it, on the year. But it's the it's the, the biggest issue for Pascal is two things: confidence. Once his confidence is shot, he's shot. Like he he take uh he he kind of regresses his game to. And he wears it on his sleeve. He too. wears it on his sleeve. You can tell. You know the the opponent might be in his head. And the second thing is his IQ. When he's playing his smartest basketball, he's playing his best basketball. He's playing his most efficient basketball. There was games in that four-game span a week or two ago where I was looking at him. And I'm, see- I'm seeing him like I'm seeing him survey the floor. I'm seeing him watch plays develop. I'm seeing him reacting to how the defense is defending him and how his players are moving alongside him. Those were his best games, and that and and when he doesn't play like that. It's 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 so evident in his attitude. It's so evident in his style of play. It's just not fluid, right? So so for for Pascal, the biggest thing for him is get healthy. I know he's he's kind of nursing a, a groin injury right now, so I, I get it. Maybe it's a bit tough, but get healthy, get mentally healthy, get mentally strong, and then just study the game. He he has a bunch of work to do on the physical aspect, hundred percent his skill wise. But when he studies the game and he sees where he can do better, he usually does better. Um, uh, another guy I actually want to give um, a bit of credit to is Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines played f- more than 10 minutes the last four games, which shows how well he's been playing because Nick Nurse has him on a very, very, very tight leash. I've seen Baines defend very well over this uh, six-game span. I've seen Baines run the floor very well, make active cuts. Um, the issue with Baines and Pascal, I agree with you on. It doesn't look natural. It doesn't look complimentary. Baines a lot of times hangs around the paint and Pascal really, really needs the paint to operate. He needs that block to post up and spin. He needs that um, elbow free throw line jumper to kind of really get himself going. So do I want to see Baines out on the three-point line shooting threes? I don't know. That's the problem. Um, they've got to find a way for Baines, to co- for Baines and Pascal to exo- coexist. If not... Mm-hmm. When Pascal's at the five playing small ball, or when it's CB and Pascal at the four and the five, Pascal has to eat. That's when he 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 needs to see it, and he needs to see that this is my time to shine. I have the paint area, um, but it's just it's a work in progress still. It, it's, it's you're asserting a new starting five into the lineup. It's tough. I just don't I don't see Baines stretching the floor for Pascal. So what what do the Raptors do in that case? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Baines was a career bench guy, and for some reason we are, you know, like adamant on starting him every single game. I don't yeah. know, maybe like something's got to give, man. Maybe start Boucher and mm-hmm. bring Baines off the bench. Just give it a shot, and and that's a part of my frustration with Nick Nurse is like, bro, you're trying so many things, and it just seems like it's like there's so many answers in front of you that mm-hmm. you just refuse to look at. Yeah. Like tonight, he puts in Matt Thomas for three minutes. A guy gets an N one three, takes him out, and then never sees the court again. Yeah, like where's the logic here, man? Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand it. And and Watanabe, like obviously, guys being injured now, he's playing. But the second Pascal comes back, he's probably not going to see the court. Yeah, tonight nine points, last night six rebounds, two blocks, in the very minimal minutes. These are productive minutes. Mm-hmm. Like where 
is the fluidity. Where's like tonight? He tried twelve different guys tonight. Why? Well, tonight, well, Bembry, you're gonna try Bembry mid third quarter. I'll, I'll defend Nurse on the tonight because we're, the, the Raptors are playing off a of back to back, and guys are playing heavy minutes. OG playing heavy minutes. Fred VanVleet playing heavy minutes. Um, Chris Boucher. They're, they're, uh, Norman Powell played heavy minutes. Chris Boucher around that twenty twenty five mark. Um, so he's and got Lowry the, stunk it up. Lowry stunk it up today. Um, I wanna I wanna keep you know talking about Juan Nabi though because Juan Nabi is honestly one of the biggest hidden gems in the NBA because I've seen Juan Nabi defend one through four, even five at, at times. I've seen Juan Nabi run the offense, take the ball up the court and run the offense. I've seen Juan Nabi lead the fast break. I've seen him hit threes. I've seen him hustle for rebounds. I've seen him make points out of nothing, literally just out of a hustle plays. The fact that you say that Pascal's going to come back, he's not going to see the floor, is a very sad truth. Really, really sad truth. And like you said, I'm I'm really looking at Nurse and I'm kind of like tilting my head at him a little bit and saying, what are you not seeing here that we are seeing? Or what are we missing maybe that, that we don't know? Because give Yuta more run. Give him run with the starting lineup. He's clearly the glue guy and does all the dirty work that the stars don't want to do. That's number one. Number two, I need to see a lot better subs and time and 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 minute management from 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 Nick Nurse. Sure, um, Lowry stunk it up today, but Lowry's been averaging thirty six minutes on the uh, on the year. That's third highest in his career. He's thirty four years old. I don't need Lowry to play thirty six minutes. And he's tonight. hurt. And like, he's he hurt. He just got hurt. Bring him down to thirty minutes. We don't know where Lowry's going to be next year. We don't really want to rely on Lowry too much. Lowry's a great leader. I, I need the leadership. I love the leadership. But it's kind of time to put the keys and give the key, give the keys to the, 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 the young core three that we have, the, the, the Freddie, the Pascal, and the OG, and say, hey, listen, this is your learning season. Go for it. Freddie's been playing phenomenal all season. It's time to kind of really ride him as a starting, at, 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 as a starting one. Kyle Lowry can start at two or the one. You can interchange him. I don't care. I don't want to see... Kyle you know Lowry what this reminds me of? I don't want to see that. You know what this reminds me of? This Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet thing at this yeah. point. It reminds me of a few years ago when we had this guy named Delon Wright. Yeah. And it was Delon Wright and Fred Van Vliet fighting for that position off the bench, and they kept trying to go with both of them at the same time. And it wouldn't work. And they ultimately went with one over the other, and yeah. then Fred blossomed. And then now we're seeing, you know, when Fred plays and it's just him, it's him. Yeah. He's the main guy. He's shutting down on defense. He's doing well. I'm not saying every game he's a perfect player. He's not a perfect player. But when Lowry's on the court, he's evidently the 1B. He's evidently the mm-hmm. 1B. Mm-hmm. And, like, what are you supposed to do? It's Kyle Lowry, man. Like You have to. He's your vet, first of all. Second of all, he's this franchise's player, yeah. the guy. Yeah. So, obviously, you're going to revert to him. And then, like, I, I'm not saying get rid of Lowry at all. Like, mm-hmm. the only thing I'll entertain uh, for Lowry is get rid of him. Because we want him to win at this stage in his career, we don't want him to, you know, play thirty six minutes. An honorable for a, for a, a mid a mid conference team that's probably going to be on the second round. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's fine. Honorable. I'm yeah. with it. But yeah, um, something's got to give here. This yeah. like we need to give Freddie the keys. We need to let him take over, be consistent. Because from a scoring perspective too, like Freddie's going to give you those points. He's a better scorer than Kyle Lowry. Let's just call it what it is. He's a better shooter than Kyle Lowry, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Kyle just, I think, facilitates the game a little bit better, sees the court better. Um, but, man, like, something's got to give here. I, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying he's better than Lowry. They're at he's two a better scorer than they're Lowry. They're at two different stages of their careers, and they, I don't think Fred has had to carry the bird, the same burden that Lowry has had to carry over the last six, seven years that he's been here. So I think it's a, it's a totally different comparison. 
do I think Fred Van Vliet offensively has been the best player on this team this year? Yes. He's been the absolute leader this year. And he's been he's been an unbelievable leader for the Raptors team. The way he plays with the second unit and the way even he plays with the starting lineup when there's no Pascal, no Lowry, he is the evident leader. He can lead this team. He facilitates early on, gets his guys going. And then the fourth quarter against Indiana on Sunday, we saw him hit two timely threes. He shows up when you need it. He's learned a lot from Lowry. He's ready to take on those reins. So it's it's about time that it happens. Um, one thing I also want to talk about is, is, is just the closing out on shooters. Because... There, there, there's got to be a better way to guard shooters. Terrence Davis is very guilty of this. He usually flies out to shooters when he sees them. Chris Boucher, as a shot-blocking big, who can block the three, and we've seen him do that before, He, the way he flies out to shooters is 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 unacceptable. You can't be giving up those open threes. The shooter, it's so frustrating. The shooter just dribbles, sidesteps, and shoots. You you can't be giving that up. You got to close them out, chase them off the three-point line. Yeah, and it, it seems to me it's like when a bull sees red. Yeah, Like, absolutely. he's not stopping. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. yo, he took off today before the guy even pump faked. Before, he didn't even have to pump fake. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't to, catch the ball. And go. Chris just flew. <laughs> the guy's, like, picking up the ball. He looks up. He's like, what the heck is going on? Like, dude, what is going on with this guy? I'm going to start a new drinking game. <laughs> Take a shot every yeah. time Chris Boucher jumps at a corner shooter. Yeah. Buddy, yeah, if you last past the first quarter, lit. <laughs> all the all the credit to you if you got past that first quarter. Yeah, that guy, man, he sees red when he's and today Absolutely. he blocked one, and I was pissed because I'm like, damn it, he, he just got himself it. thirty more of those. Yeah, yeah, it's like every every like thirty he'll get one, and then that one just pushes him another mm-hmm. thirty. Another thing I want to bring up is you know just defensively how how locked in everybody has been this past week and the week and a half. Um, I want to bring up Stanley Johnson, his team defense. The, I mean, the, the team defense in general was amazing, just the way they've been playing. Uh, Sabonis was a very tough cover. Um, so Stanley Johnson, the Stanimal, defensively, has been phenomenal. Fred Van Vliet, uh, late game Sunday afternoon, Brogdon tried to go ISO, ISO on him, wasn't having it. Love to see that defensive effort and intensity. OG Ananobi, Sunday afternoon, he was making plays out of nothing, just hustle plays. And that's what helped him get to that 30-point season high uh, on Sunday against, uh, against the Pacers. Um, Wanabi, if, if you want to look at perfect defense, one-on-one defense, closeout defense, you watch Wanabi play. Because he doesn't jump at shooters. He chases guys off the three, knows how to switch, knows how to guard one through five, and it's just it's exceptional defense. His anticipation is amazing. It's, it's unreal, just his feel for the game, his hands... Um, his ability to guard, his ability to read situations. I, I need to see a lot more of Watanabe on the floor. I just think the team fits better with him on the floor. Imagine having he just him, does great things. Ima- imagine having him at the four and the five instead of Baines. I just think it stretches the floor a lot more. Sure, you lose size, but he's willing to be scrapping, willing to box out. His bo- his his ability to box out, nobody on the team can do as well as he does. Yeah. So. I want to see some some Watanabe at the five, just because I want to see how he might he's be a bit small for the five, though. He might be a bit small for the five. I mean, it's a small ball five in general. I I, I do. I like think he's even he shorter it, than CB, and CB's kind of small for that. CB CB's skinny for that. He's not like small for that. That's the. I I think Watanabe has the ability to play a lot bigger than what he his size. Um, obviously against maybe a seven footer, I don't want to see that small ball five. But against a second unit, I would love to see that happen. 
Um, you know, and just the way they put the clamps on Sabonis and Brogdon on Sunday afternoon, I just think it was exceptional defense. I think it it, it brought me back to that 2019 championship defensive uh, that defensive intensity that they had. Um, it, it was just it was just great to watch. And and you and like you said, they were the number six rated defense uh, in the league that week. And it shows. You don't even have to look up the stats. You can just see it. Um, by when you watch them play, it, it was just phenomenal to watch. Absolutely. And to piggyback off that point, too, turning the ball over in their last six games, their top three in the percentage of points off turnover, they're, they're about 18% of their points yeah. come off of turnovers. And that means that not just shutting teams down, strapping teams, mm. but they're actually converting these turnovers into points. And that was yeah. one thing that with Indiana, they didn't allow them to convert the points off the Raptors' turnover, and that helped them win the game. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to that, man. You got to play defense, but also you got to convert your defense because, unfortunately, the Raptors, if we're talking about forms of offense, their top is obviously the three. Mm-hmm. And then you got, like, they get a lot of, like, 20% of their points off of turnovers. Yeah. Their half-court offense is not great. It's not. That's so if you're not issue. converting your turnovers and you're missing your threes, it's going to be an abysmal game. And not only that, in, in late game situations, if you can't run a half court offense, you're in trouble. We we, we saw it today mm-hmm. um, against the Pacers once again. They they came up with the loss today. I hate this two two in a row. I know, I know. Crap, they man. split they split both Miami and the Pacers games, but Charlotte we, too. Yeah, we we saw it today though. It the half court offense just seemed so rushed. It was Norman Powell trying to dunk, uh, Bembry trying to dunk, Kyle Lowry taking contested threes, um, coming off you know some screens. It. It just didn't look smooth. It didn't look like a team game. Um, a, a bunch of a bunch of issues. You, you know, you mentioned the points off turnovers today. The Raptors were fourteen. Pacers were twenty-seven. Um, another issue that really needs to tighten up, and that I thought that last week and the week and a half, we the Raptors did a great job on, is the free throws. Stop fouling. The Pacers shot forty-five free throws today. Forty-five. No, and granted, you know, the Raptors don't get calls all the time, and sometimes calls don't go their way. I understand that, and I'm the first person to to, to, to be like, yo, these calls are whack today. But mm-hmm. a lot of the times, man, stupid fouls by Chris Boucher, out-of-control fouls by Chris Boucher, out of stupid fouls by Lowry even a couple times today. Put your hands up. Don't put your hands down. If you if you're gonna guard guard with your hands on your on your shorts, it's just a lot of silly fouls leading to easy free throws. Miles Turner today ate today at the free throw line. He ate because Chris Boucher constantly hands down, hands down, wouldn't grab a rebound, hack, hack. So you've got to, you've got to tighten that up because you're and giving away. That's where Baines comes in though, unfortunately. And but, but Chris Boucher is gonna he's gonna push Miles Turner out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. He's, he's, in what he world? I, I agree, but defend smarter. If you're if you're making Miles Turner earn and work for his points, fine. Be scra- but you gotta be scrappier. You're giving him free throws. You're just you get your offensive rebound, put your hands up, jump up. Yeah. He's, Chris Boucher's got wild long arms. There's no way you can't distract a shot. The fortunate part is that Chris Boucher oftentimes always swinging, always hacking, always putting his hands down, and then mm-hmm. looks at the ref like he did nothing. God bless you, Chris. You've been having a great season, bro. But you foul. Yeah. The, if you're if you're averaging four or five out fouls a game, you foul. No, his he's definitely had a great season, but his, he's slowed down, man. I mean, last three games, uh, eight points, one rebound, five points, five rebounds, twelve point seven rebounds, and then obviously tonight against the Pacers, another pretty pretty rough night. I think he struggled tonight. Yeah, Chris Boucher, nine points, nine rebounds in twenty nine minutes of play. 
Man, at, at the same time, I don't want to be a team that's depending on Chris Boucher's output. Three of twelve, though. Yeah, three of twelve that's, is it's poor. Okay. It's poor. But I need Chris Boucher to give me a, a, an efficient 10, 10 and ten every night. I we've got twenty five point scorers. We've got thirty point scorers. I need to give. I need him to give the Raptors a ten and ten game every night, shooting five or six shots. Mm. The fortunate part is when he gets three point happy, and you know he makes one. He'll he's push. one of six from three. There you go. He gets three point happy a, a, a bunch of times, and his shot selection isn't quite there yet. But you you got to also look at it holistically. And Chris Boucher is getting his real first NBA minutes this year. So he's yeah. still learning. He's still a work in progress. This is another thing that takes me off, man. Like, Chris Boucher in 29 minutes, 9 points, 9 rebounds, 1 block. Aaron Baines in 14 minutes, 9 points, 2 rebounds, 1 block. Like, you're going to give him double the minutes. Like, 9 points in 14. You finally are getting some production from Baines. Yeah. And then you throw him to the bench. And what happens at the end of the game? Yeah. Miles Turner eats yeah. and eats and eats and eats and eats mm. and then you lose the game on free throws mm. and that's what i'm saying is so frustrating with this guy it's like what do you want like what do you want from this team it, i it, can imagine it, they're frustrated as hell like what do you want it, it, it's not 100 percent on nick nurse though because nobody outside of freddie has really been consistent baines will start off a game play the first five minutes play extremely well put him back in the court uh in the second quarter and he won't he'll disappear he won't be there anymore so you know, Nick Nurse, I agree, sometimes his rotation experiments aren't the greatest, but what are the players giving him to work with a lot of times? When you're inconsistent, he's going to have to pull you out. You're not producing. You're not defending well. You're not playing well. So it, it's a tough position to be in as a player and as a coach because the player has got to be consistent and the coach also has to be consistent. If if one if one of the two sides aren't consistent, it becomes difficult to read. And it's been a, it's honestly been, it's been a growing season this season. It's been a kind of let's figure it out in-game and make in-game adjustments this season. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they've worked, and a lot of times they haven't, unfortunately. So what the Raptors really need is is just consistency and I think just defining roles a lot better. And then once you get the full team healthy and those roles are defined and you get consistent play and hopefully a better half-court offense, I think things are going to look up. But overall, last week was a successful week. The Raptors were just at the eighth seed. Uh, with the, with the loss today and the Magic win today, they fell down to the ninth seed, which is fine. I think it's very doable for the Raptors to reach a sixth seed by the end of this week. Yeah, and look, man, back to back games, you're missing Pascal. Mm-hmm. Indiana's a good team. Yeah, I get it. It's not the end of the world. You don't like the issue was on the second night of a back to back. You gave up like 130 points in regulation. The defense, you gave up 70 points in the first half, 60 in the second half. That was half. tough. That was very, very tough. I mean, you give up 70 and a half, it's tough. They yeah. scored 60, which was great. Yeah. But you give up 70 and a half, your defense isn't there. It, it just didn't show up today mm. uh, for whatever. I'm not, yeah, I don't want to make it seem like we're expecting them to win every single game. <laughs> uh, but those lovely. are just the takeaways. And honestly, before we move on from the wraps, if I could just say, I want to see more Utah Watanabe. That's my request. What I think could benefit the team a little bit more, more Utah minutes, put him in a position to help the team, support the team, and defend, yeah. and just do the nitty-gritty, like you said, and the things that people don't want to do. Uh, and honestly, more Stanley. Um, you, you you mentioned Stanley was shooting 60% or something like that earlier on. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 42% from three on the season. He doesn't take many shots in-game. If he can maybe start to take more shots uh, from three confident, spot-up three-point shots, I don't want... I don't really want to see him put it on the floor. I don't want to see him drive to the basket. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather him play a 3D role, kind of like OG. Um, if he just shoots three or four threes a game, I'll be happy with that because I think I'm confident in Stanley. I think he can hit 
40, 45% of his three-point shots. So Damn. I want to see a few I, I want to see a few more of those. That's an outrageous assumption. I 40, wanna, 45. We'll see. He's at 42 right now. Yeah, on a one and a half attempts. Okay. That's so, the issue. That's all right. So we'll see if 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 uh can if do it. increasing it will, will result in, in that. But mm. um let's move on, man. Let's let's talk around the league. Yes. Let's talk about your Brooklyn Nets. Because it's been a week. They're mine now, huh? It's been a week since we uh came on here. We I made some outrageous comments. Apparently they're outrageous, but Shane Battier. Apparently. Uh I got ripped on my Shane Battier take, but I'm here to double down on my Brooklyn Nets take because they're not a good defensive team. When it comes down to it, you need to defend. You need to stop people. If you mm. can't game plan, if you can't defend, you can't stop anybody, you're not going to make a finals. You're gonna, you are gonna, could get far with star power, probably mm. conference final, whatever. Mm. You're not going to win. You cannot win if you don't play defense. Like We talked about it last week. The last 10 years of champions all were great defensive teams, had yeah. great defensive pieces and players. Besides KD, I don't know what Brooklyn has that's – a respectable defender. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's kind of washed, so he's I'm not really going to go with older, that. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. They lost back to back games to Cleveland. Colin Sexton cooked them. They gave up 270 points in those two games, and then they lost again uh, Friday night. I can't remember who they played, but they lost and they gave a bunch of points. Yep, 124, I think it was. So it's like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do when it's a different team, not the Cavs? When it's not Colin Sexton, you're letting him get 40. I don't know. They won tonight against Miami, but Miami's short. I mean, they have nobody. Hey, 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 le- hey. They have nobody, man. They beat the Raptors. So they beat the Raptors man. with their nobody. So it doesn't I'm matter. Saying, don't say shorthanded, not KD shorthanded. KD Harden and Kyrie played against a team that had nobody, and they couldn't even score 100 points. But that's that's besides the point. Look, Brooklyn, as constructed, I'm not high on them. I don't think that they're mm-hmm. going to do as well as people think that they are. Yep. They need depth, in my opinion, but they need defense more more than anything else in the world. And I just don't know between the three guys that they have. Like the issue here is Kyrie and Harden on at the same time. It's such a liability for you. It's not that it's a liability. I just think you know Kyrie came out from his you know from his, retirement, his, not reti- retirement, his hiatus, his, his hiatus, his whatever you want to call it, and came out and shot what you said twenty eight shots earlier. Twenty eight, twenty eight shots. shots. I think Kyrie was just trying to get run, trying to get his rhythm, trying to get going. It's evident that Harden's taking a step back and he's like, I'm going to be the playmaker. And out of those two guys, I want Harden to be the playmaker just because his ability to run the pick, the pick and roll offense, his ability to run a offense and his vision, I think, is more suitable to be the playmaker and the, and the true point guard, I'll say, on this team. Um, as constructed, like you said, it, it is going to be very tough. I do think, you know, the defense is a, is a large issue at the five spot and at the wing spot. They just got to go and attack the market. There's been rumors they want Kevin Love. There's been rumors they want Andre Drummond. How are they going to do the Kevin Love thing? Rega- Joe size is going to. I don't. I don't, I don't even. Market? I don't even want to talk about the Kevin Love. Kevin Love thing because that's a, that's not the answer to their problems. Andre Drummond will do a much better job for them if if that's the cap they want to go for. Go for go for go for Drummond because a rim, a rim protector and a mobile big who can rebound and 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 box out and block shots. That's the kind of defense you need right now because DeAndre Jordan cannot do that for you right now. Um, but I, I just don't believe that this is the the final team and this is how they're going to be. If if their GM is smart, he's going to go out to the market and get some key pieces. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I mean, if they're inquiring about Drummond and Kevin Love, then who knows what you can do. Um, I think they're hoping that the Cavs buy out Drummond. There's going to be a buyout market eventually at some point. Whoever may be, it's going to happen. Hopefully they can capitalize on that. They did get like a five point six million dollar exception 
because um, Spencer Dinwiddie is out. So there's some money there. Um, I'm sure you can get sh- you can sign guys on vet mins. Um, but as constructed, finals is looking a bit hazy just because of their defense. I don't think this is going to be the final roster. I think they're going to get better. They're going to get key pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also comes down to the to the coaching staff. Steve Nash, show me what you got now. You want to put your name into the into the bat into the into the hat the basket for this position. Show me why you deserve this position. Come up with a defensive scheme. Let your team come up with a defensive scheme to stop guys because giving up 127 on average to the to the Cavs is unacceptable. Giving up 40 to Colin Sexton is unacceptable. You can't contain Colin Sexton. 20 who's, straight. Who's having, by the way, a phenomenal season. Don't get me wrong, but it's Colin Sexton. He's no, he's not an all-star, right? So if you can't stop him from getting 20 straight points, then something has to change. And those changes need to be made throughout the season at some point. If they make those changes, if they get better defensively, straight to the finals. Yeah, I mean, that that's right. they have the star power to get mm-hmm. there. It's just... The fact that you can't stop anybody is is a bit like it's disheartening, man. It's, like, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, <laughs> look, they have the number two defense in the league right now. The Cavs, yeah. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's great, but I'm not really high on that. I'm not buying that right now. Yeah, um, they're a good defensive team, absolutely. But you're the Brooklyn Nets. You should be able to at least win one of those two games. Yeah, if you're yeah, not going to win, you know, yeah. Colin. Sec- Guys have career nights all the time. They'll snap. T. Ross had fifty one night. Like it happens, bro. Mm. I get it. Mm. But the second night of that, you should have won that game. Mm. He came back and scored twenty more again. So yeah. uh, that's that's going to be a problem. The defense and you brought up that point, man. To come back from a hiatus that's self inflicted. You get fined because you're missing time, mm. and you come back and you shoot almost thirty shots. And Harden shoots fourteen. And you brought up the point. Well, Harden's a better playmaker. Absolutely, he is a playmaker and should have the ball in his hands. But who's a better scorer? Historically, no, no, no. there's no doubt about that. Uh, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that Harden needs to score more than Kyrie. I think Harden, because he's so lethal as a scorer, that's what makes him such a great playmaker as well. Kyrie, I don't want the ball in Kyrie's hands because he's not going to make a play for anybody else. Yeah, he's going to ISO or get the ball and, and attack. Like if, so. if I'm looking at the box score as a coach and I'm seeing 28 for Kyrie, 14 for Harden, like, all right, not, man, like I, I, look at like. Historically, Harden's a better scorer. At least give him four of those shots. Yeah, I, I agree. You got to tone that down and come come down to twenty shots. Kyrie shooting sixty one percent from the field on the season. So he's definitely a, he's it's a not bucket. The, it's not the end of the world. But I do I I agree with your point. He shouldn't be shooting twenty eight shots, especially when you have KD and Harden. He just on the, came back. You have bro. two historic scorers on your team. Listen, coming back shooting twenty eight shots. I think people were walking on eggshells a little bit. They wanted to cater to Kyrie. If that happens the rest of the season. We know there's problems with that. We know there's gonna be problems. I'm hoping, bro. That's I'm like praying, your, I'm praying. Please, Kyrie, just be self-aware. That's like just your be boss. self-aware, bro. That's like your boss at work taking like a four-week vacation, and then the first day back they come and they're just cussing you out for something you didn't <laughs> do on your second. It's like, bro, you just left for four weeks. What are you doing on, here, vac- bro? on a paid vacation? You're gonna come back and tell me I've been grinding it here, what I did three weeks ago? Come on, bro. It's the same thing. You come in thirty shots. Come in the next game, 30 more shots. Like, bro, I don't care. Nothing you can say or do. It doesn't matter who you have on the court. Yeah. Like, now we're looking at Harden. This is a perennial MVP. Kyrie has never been considered for an MVP. Harden's a perennial MVP. And he's not even going to give him shots. Okay, I'm interested. Let's see how many shots he took today. Uh, James Harden, 7 of 10. Kyrie Irving, 6 of 17. Kevin Durant, 6 of 21. Bro, Hey. 7 of 10 and 6 of 17. Hey. 
He Harden he made, took it down eleven shots. That's what you wanted. Harden made. Are you serious? One more field goal on seven less shots. Yeah, well, okay, he had an inefficient night. He still saw like he's been shooting sixty plus. I'm all, just on saying, the year. man, Kyrie and Harden. The one game, Kyrie and Harden shouldn't be in the same breath in terms of offensive ability. We're not saying. I'm not saying that though. But I'm saying. I'm say, no, I'm saying. I that. agree. I agree <laughs> with that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not de- I'm not debating that point. But what I'm saying is, I, I, in terms of playing your role on this team. James Harden's role is not going to be to score on this team, although he can. It should be. But sh- the, you, you can't play defense, so might as well try, try to score. Okay, it. but the unfortunate part is that you need somebody to facilitate, and that person is not going to be Kyrie. That per- mean, you're yeah. better off with having Harden facilitate so what and, was, and shoot so 7 for 10. This, what was the, if, if that wasn't the plan for him to facilitate, then what was their plan before Harden? Like they weren't, they didn't bring in Kyrie thinking we're going to bring in Harden. They brought in Kyrie to be the point guard and playmaker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and KD being the big man, the the, the, well, winger, the, the winger, the wing player. Yeah. So they clearly brought well, him they, in to be a playmaker. Not necessarily to be a playmaker. He was still putting up twenty five a game, right? So it's it's different. The team constructed now is far different, like you said, from when they first brought in the team. Kyrie, I don't think even had to make as many plays as he did prior to the trade because they had better guys on the floor. Mm-hmm. They had better shooters. They had better role players on the floor. Now that they're missing that, the role of the playmaker has gone a lot bigger. They need to get a lot more open shots. James Harden is the guy to do that. There's a reason why he puts up phenomenal triple-doubles. There's a reason why he he's averaged close to 8, 9, 10 assists in, his, uh, in a season um, along, uh, along his career. He had 8 assists tonight. You want to see James Harden have the ball in his hands and make plays for the team because you know Kyrie won't do it. It's not even that he can't. He won't do it. He's looking to score. He wants to be a pure scorer. Fine. James Harden is realizing that, and he realizes that in order for them to win and be successful, I need to play make, and that's what he's going to do. Is it using Harden to his fullest ability as a scorer? No, but everybody has to play a role in this team in order for them to win. Yeah. We'll see how it goes on uh, using these roles. For sure. Um I mean, before we get into becoming a Brooklyn Nets podcast, I think we should just <laughs> wrap it up by saying there's still a lot to be proven on yeah. from this team. There's still a lot to be done and a long way for them to come. And I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Kyrie's personality is going to be the biggest question mark. Absolutely. Uh, are you bought in? Are you going to show up? Are you committed? That's and, been a question and, mark and, and for like, years. And now like because of all the postponements that are happening, there's talks of like moving to a bubble for the playoffs because you can't have series where you're – Putting a guy on the bench because he he didn't get a conclusive test. It's Kevin Durant. Like you can't decide a playoff series yeah. because of that. So they're trying to minimize that by having the bubble and come bubble time. Like Kyrie didn't want to go last year. He was he was the only one saying we should <laughs> not go last year. We, there's, we should forfeit our salaries and stay home and fight. There's been debates that All they've right. been better off without Kyrie and just James Harden and Kevin Durant. So who knows? But but yeah. unfortunately they've given up too many pieces for that. I so was just gonna say that's he the better issue. he better show up to the bubble, but. Let's move on and let's move on to a topic that, you know, we I didn't think we would talk about this two weeks in a row because I didn't think they were still going to keep up the streak. But the Utah Jazz have won eight straight games, sitting top three amongst the elite in the Western Conference, balling out of their minds. Donovan Mitchell averaging what, 29 the last three games, um, doing an exceptional job of leading his team. Um, coach Snyder, which we, you and I have always mentioned, he's been an exceptional coach. Never mm-hmm. really steady, steady, always steady coach. Um, he, he's been in, he's been in the running for coach of the year throughout his time with the Jazz, so he's been a good coach. Um, we're not gonna talk about the win streak because we know the win streak is great, and we know that they're a great regular season team, and they're gonna make noise during this regular season. 
let's talk about Shaq's comments to Donovan Mitchell. And unfortunately, after a big win, um, which I think Donovan Mitchell had, what, 36, 35 points that game? Something like that, yeah. Um, in a post-game interview with uh, the, the, the crew at Turner and, and Donovan Mitchell, Shaq says, looks at him after this big win and says, uh, yeah, I'm up. I'm not sold on you. I don't think you have what it takes. I don't think you've got it. Um, it was 36.7 rebounds, five assists in 34 minutes. Yeah. And they beat the Pelicans to win eight straight or seven straight at that point. And Shaq goes on to say, "I don't have it. I don't have. I don't. I don't, I don't, we see don't it think you. you have we it. Don't think you have it. We don't think you have what it takes to get to that next level. What do you think about that? What, what do you have he, to say about that? What is he supposed to say to that question? Oh, sorry, Shaq. No, uh, I actually don't have it. Thanks for telling me. I'm gonna work on that. Yeah. What do you? What like? Poor guy just said, "Okay, like I." Took it as like a motor. I think Shaq was trying to be a, one of those motivational dudes. I don't know. If I just was, think Donovan Mitchell didn't want to embarrass himself or just say anything disrespectful on national TV. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, he is a respectable kid. He's a respectful kid. Yeah, he's a professional. He condones like conducts himself very professionally. He's not gonna snap at this guy, but you can see from his reaction, he's like, I don't give a. Sh- like, about yeah, you, I don't bro. Like, quite frankly, I, I don't give a crap about what you have to say about yeah. you know like. And and Joe Ingles came out and, and responded. He's like, man, we don't need this. We don't need Shaq's TNT motivation. Like, keep Absolutely that to not. yourself, yeah. bro. He's like, we have enough in the locker room. We don't need that. And on top of that, like, well, I think what a lot of people are even not even putting two and two together. He was just dissing Rudy a week a week before. Yeah, saying, oh, this is an inspiration to kids. Anybody can get two hundred mil. Pretty much just like tearing him down for mm-hmm. no reason. Like. You and I have I've said we think that contract is outrageous. Yeah, but there's ways of saying it. And when you're a bona fide hater coming out after he every is a bona fide man, hater, like yeah. you hate on every big man that comes out. That's like anyone shows them any like form of love. Yeah, you're hating. Yeah, so he's insecure, and I've said that many times. It's kind of weird that you have four rings and all this money. You're one of the greatest to ever play this yeah, game. And you're on TV many times a week yeah. on the most popular show, and you're still. Finding ways to be insecure about Rudy Gobert, yeah, about Dwight Howard, about JaVale McGee, like JaVale McGee, yeah, yeah. Come on, man, like, and that's the thing that's frustrating is what do you? First of all, don't ask him these ridiculous questions. Like Kenny Smith, he interjected and he goes, "What we meant to say is we think that your assist numbers and your your rebound numbers, mm-hmm. if you increase that two or three or four, you'll get yourself to that next level where you're creating for players, you're rebounding, getting possessions." Okay, that's great. That's that's it's informative. Constructive it's informative. criticism, but this guy has to come in and say that, and it was just embarrassing and and off putting to me. And I I don't like the way Shaq handles business, and him and Chuck going back and forth ripping on player after player. Like it's bad for the product. It's it, the product's already pretty damaged as it goes right now, just because of all the postponements, um, players missing from from games because of of COVID protocols. So the fact that you know. That crew is is like one of the reasons why casuals people watch NBA basketball for that halftime show for those game breaks, right? So the fact that you're constantly, you know, crapping on the product and 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 making these guys even when they have good nights, um, trying to trying to lower what they did, I I think is just it's not what you're supposed to do, and especially as as a legend, it, it sucks the most when the older heads don't give any credit to these young guys. Who are up and coming, or who are, have arrived in the game? For sure, yeah. And a guy like Shaq, Shaq, you went up against some legends when you were a kid, bro. And at the same time, like you had difficulties doing it by yourself too. You know what I mean? Like it's not easy to win a ring. You had and difficulties putting in the work to get to that next level. He was great. <laughs> he was but great. He was naturally gifted. Imagine he put in that work. And Kobe yeah. said it time and time and time again. 
one of the reasons we argue is because he's so damn lazy and he's so damn fat. He didn't want to work. And unfortunately, that it's just an, the, he was great and he didn't feel like he needed to work. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. But for him to turn around and, and come hard at all these guys, like, and just man. pick pick your moments, man. Like, the guy just had 36 points. They won eight straight. Let him have a bad game first and then do it or something, bro. Pick your moments, man. And um, before we end the show, I just want to give a shout-out to the Clippers. They're actually first uh, in the West. They won seven straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, PG, Kawhi, both 50-40-90 club. They're snapping. Averaging over 23 points this a game is each. Which a is a revenge tour. It's unreal. Unreal to have two guys that efficient scoring that many points a game yeah. and they've won seven straight 13 and four record uh the lakers are nine and zero on the road which wow. is a ridiculous stat wow. to me it's a ridiculous stat but they're uh, second at 13 and four as well one more shout out i want to give to your kind of half team whatever team that you, you kind of have confidence in this team the sixers are sitting on top of the eastern conference right now Joel Embiid is making a case for an MVP season quietly. He's number one on their uh, MVP ladder. Or Jokic. Jokic, Embiid. Jokic then Embiid. Yeah. Embiid is having a phenomenal year very quietly. I don't think it's getting enough attention, and I, and I want to bring it to light today because I think he deserves a lot more attention than, than what he's getting. So shout out to you, Joel Embiid, for having a phenomenal season. Keep it up. And if he, hey, having two big men lead your MVP um, race is is something that's yeah. pretty much unheard of, so it's great to see. Actually, isn't it ironic that we're we heard about Shaq constantly talking about how Embiid needs to be better, and then when Embiid is better, he doesn't say anything. Mom's the word does not. That's a because right now Joel Embiid is showing way more skill than Shaq ever had. He's turning around skill wise. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's there. what I mean it's from there. a skill perspective. Yeah. So shout out to Joel Embiid. Um, not shout out to Shaq. So. <laughs> With that being said, um, this episode was brought to you guys by Yeti and Skull Candy headphones. If you want some nice headphones while you're on the beach beside your Yeti cooler, do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you know where to find us. YouTube, Listener, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Man, I lose track. Google Podcasts. But subscribe. Wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, comment on them. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want to see on our graphics as well. Um, Until then, we'll see you guys next week.